0: Now it's True Wealth presented by Little John Financial Services. Here is David Little John with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. Hey,
1: I got to grab the microphone. It's not yeah, even in front you, of my face. Look, it out. welcome buttons. to the True Wealth Radio Show, where it's the greatest Tuesday you've had all day. And all right, I got the microphone in front of me now. Yeah, you push the buttons and you went to talk and you realize it's like nothing. What is have there. I done? It's like wow, has such a great view of the monitors. Well, yeah, there's no microphone. Well mm. played. <laughs> that's where shows you where our head is at welcome welcome gang uh i'm your host dave littlejohn joining me in studio as always matt dixon matt yes is it just me or has the world had just the investing world just seems to have like temporary insanity It sure seems like it. I mean, the news isn't really helping I mean, is that the plea? Can we make that plea? Like, no, I'm sorry, markets are just going to, you just have to give them a pass. It's temporary insanity. You can't hold it to a standard right now. Uh, Yeah, that's kind of what it feels like. It's totally what it feels like to me. Uh, I'm going to, i got to take these off. I'm getting like a weird echo in my own head. Uh, The Headphones are coming off. It's true. Now we're just talking to each other in the studio, talking to you all on the radio. And uh, for those of you listening on the podcast, talking to you. Uh, we were talking about what what ought this show be about? What's the theme of the day? And uh, I think my favorite was trigger warning. Trigger warning. Right? Elaborate. Well, trigger in what way? Trigger warning, uh, as in... You know, we're now talk. We joke about, or some people, it's not a joke, right? The need for safe spaces and so forth, because if somebody gets triggered, it's going to create an emotional response, and this can be a either a microaggression or any number of other things, Have right?
2: You seen a lot of emotional responses to the market yet?
1: Uh, well, yeah, I think it's natural and normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, now there are a, a few different types of folks out there. Those are the folks that I'm going to suggests that some of you are just blissfully unaware, right? I don't look at it, don't care, it's going to do whatever it does, whatever. Okay, great. Low-stress environment for you, mm-hmm. right? Ignorance is bliss. Uh, there are some of you that are like, no, you know, I'm long-term and I'm I'm okay with that. I see it happening, but I'm not going to let it ruffle my feathers. Okay, that's person number two. Person number two. What's person number three? There's, a, there's some people that are like, you know, I don't know, I'm kind of in this right now, and is this going to, get worse because i'm starting to wonder and and do i need to do something you know i i i don't want to be hasty here i feel like it should be long term but ah man i mean if this if this goes down from here right it's it's like you're aware you're noticing you're starting to kind of question your sanity a little Mm -hmm. bit and say you know should i should i be doing something and then there's probably a few more phases to this one but the next one is my gosh what should i do Right, mm-hmm. I mean that's the person the that's like, oh, "This is tough. Tell- oh my gosh, what should I be doing?" And then there's the person that is really beating themselves up, saying, "I knew it. I said this all along. I was supposed to do this, and I didn't. And I'm an idiot. And I shouldn't have believed anybody. And this happens every time." Mm-hmm. Right? And you're somewhere in that spectrum, right? <laughs> like, We all live somewhere in there. Uh, and the, the reason that I call it the show, "It Trigger Warning," is it's yeah, I'm poking fun because. Uh, the whole idea of a microaggression, I just discard, Mm -hmm. right? I discard in the name of free speech. It's like, well, even if it's true, who cares, right? You don't have a right to not get offended. Sorry. And if you disagree with me, haha! now you've had a microaggression. That's what you get. (laughs) Uh, In fact, it's directly aggressive, right? Like, I don't care. If you don't believe in free speech, we don't get along. Uh, You know, you can say things I don't agree with. I'm okay with that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, markets are totally okay with it. Turns out your emotions, market doesn't care. That is probably the best reality scenario out there is that, oh, well, markets aren't fair. They're not nice to my feelings. They don't care.
0: Mm-hmm. And nobody
1: else does either about that. I mean, like, that's yeah, a shame, but not going to change things. So your emotions really are a problem when it comes to investing. Yeah. Right. And and this is this is statistically played out in, in many different uh, tests that have been done or studies that have been done about how investors behave. And it's really common that investors sort of the self-inflicted wound is the worst one. How for do you, investors.
2: how do you manage your own emotions? Right. Because like it's natural. I mean, even though you've been doing this a long time, you have emotions that come into play when it comes to investing. How do you keep yourself in check? What's what's a few good ways that you kind of monitor your own?
1: So it's emotions. a great question, man and I think there are a few things. One, uh, anytime you do something a lot, mm-hmm. right, and and you do it for a long time, just the, the accumulated hours develop into expertise, and the expertise tends to – there. there's a whole – a process called the Dunning-Kruger effect, in fact. Like when you don't know very much, you think you're an expert. And then as you become more of an expert, you think you know less and less until you actually start to lose your confidence because there's so much to know. Mm -hmm. And how could anybody know all of it? And really, you're just an idiot. You know, it's impossible. The field's just way too complicated. You're, you're
2: and, going Princess bright on me when they're, you know, sitting there with the the drinks and right, inconceivable, <laughs>
1: inconceivable. Right? <laughs> it, but but it's a funny thing that we have this flaw in our logic that uh, the less you know, the more confident you often are mm-hmm. that you do know something. I mean, we see this it's real common in politics everybody just knows exactly what the country needs if they just listen to that person and then if you were to actually be thrown into the lion's den metaphorically and start to look at the policy and the complexity you go oh man okay you know i forgot about that thing or i didn't even know about that other thing or if i pull this thread it breaks this other one and that's not to suggest the system is somehow okay because it's complex and therefore we should give it a pass no i'm just saying it's rarely that simple right I mean, there's just a lot of moving parts to it mm-hmm. for heaven's sake i mean my family has trouble if, if we we'll have trouble on a group vote for dinner now try to do that over the entire country or the world like, yeah yeah there's just not going to be agreement so so the first one was being will you be developing expertise yeah. but probably one of the two of the things that i think are great is one have a have a sounding board so you know we use an investment committee mm-hmm. on purpose right so that's the idea that Getting multiple people to come in and examine the problem together. So at least that's a huge one. Yeah, at I least mean... it keeps you know somebody can usually talk you off the ledge. It's like rarely does everybody panic at the same time. If especially if they're all experts in their field. And and careful who you surround yourself with. There's a difference between a mastermind group mm-hmm. and an echo chamber. Okay. Everyone who's aligned in the same way, <laughs> yeah, saying yeah. we're all going gold, Right. The, uh, the echo than... <laughs> chamber is not the place to live if you're looking for somebody to check your ideas. Uh, and then probably the simplest one for everybody out there listening is rules, right? I mean, you don't mm-hmm. necessarily think about that, but uh, this is something that I learned not super early in my career, but it's been more than 15 years ago. That I had a mentor that was teaching me about managing money. Now, that sounds interesting, maybe, because you'd think that, well, my investment person knows how to manage money. Not necessarily so. Uh, It's many, many investment firms, what they do is a lot of sales training, and then they train their representatives to sort of promote the company's research. You know, the we have a team of people that have all this stuff that they do for us. It's not really me that does it. I'm the interface between you and them to help get it. You know, you have all these specific customer service needs. I'm here to address those needs. They're there to do the investment stuff, and I'm going to connect you two together, and I'll be the, you know, concierge. Right. right. You know, I'll be, I'll be the facilitator. Man. It Almost is a middleman. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so they don't necessarily, and and that's not to say that's how all advisors are either. So don't don't I'm not throwing everybody under the bus here. I'm just saying be aware of who you're engaging with. Mm-hmm. Money management is a skill set, and one of the things that I was sort of taught to do is journal about your investment moves. Why yeah. did you make them, and how, and what were the, what were the decision factors, and then afterwards evaluate how they played out and were your assumptions correct? What can you learn from it? How can you get better at it? It's the same thing as an NFL
2: player watching film after the game, yeah, right? It like really you, is. you can't
1: spot your errors unless you've documented it somehow. Mm-hmm. That's good advice. If you think about, I mean, Matt, how many times have you brought an idea to me and I've said, okay, tell me why?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Every time almost. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. It's a- Why are you walk, thinking that, Walk Matt? me through the story. Give mm-hmm. me your thoughts yeah right and and what i'm effectively doing is saying you're vetting it yeah well i'm suggesting defend why Mm -hmm. right yeah you're selling me on this but you need to sell yourself too what makes you think this is real sure now there have been plenty of times where i've agreed with you Mm -hmm. right there have been some times you've talked yourself out of it
2: yeah absolutely (laughs) like when you actually start breaking it down and having to verbalize why am i doing this sometimes you know you get to a point where you're like wow that actually doesn't make much
1: sense Right, and I think that's the important thing. So, sounding board, mm-hmm. place to vet ideas, uh, but those rules—the rules—are huge because they can they can really help you to sift through things. So, so maybe it, it prevents. Give me now, an example of a rule that you might set. Just a broad rule, really simple rule. Let's yeah. say that uh, I don't want to trade any stock below five dollars a share. Okay. okay, so you don't want to dabble in penny stocks as a general rule. Right. Sure, and. That rule isn't necessarily hard and fast, believe it or not, because every now and then you get scenarios where high-ticket stocks are low price stocks on in terms of dollars, but it's a, it's a good rule to start with. And then a second rule might be, I need to look at the average daily trading volume of a stock mm-hmm. and its price, because I want to see how much volume that trades. And you think to yourself, what does that have to do with anything? Well, that's a mechanical rule. Because I don't want to accidentally buy something and be illiquid. Like I can't sell it because there's no buyers. There's, there's no buyers, right? No I become volume. a market maker in this thing by accident. And if you don't know what that means, that's exactly why you should learn these rules because mm-hmm. it could be a really hard lesson to discover oops, I became a market maker in that stock and I'm structurally trapped. Yeah. Bad news. Okay. So. I think those are simple rules, but there can be other rules that say things like, I don't like to invest in companies that don't have free cash flow. Okay. Okay? Now, that can be tricky, I mean, because how do you define that? Maybe it's based on um, you know EBITDA or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, they have debt, but they can service the debt, and I want to make sure that after all of their expenses and debt service, they still have money left over. Okay, that's cash flow, but they also have debt. Then you're looking at your debt to equity ratios, and you're looking at sales and forecasts and all the other you could see there's a million ways to slice and dice this thing. But starting with the simple rules are at least a way to filter out some of the things that you would know would be immediately disqualified. Would you even loop in like, you know,
2: spots where you're gonna say, I'm gonna take a profit here versus I'm gonna cut losses if it
1: gets to this point. Would you also put that in that category? So, that's a little different. Um, that is about trading rules, okay. right? Or position more sizing than just rules. investing rules. So, it, but it's still rules. I mean, mm-hmm. totally falls under the category. Uh, we should talk a little bit about that. We should talk about some of the other rules, but. I'm getting the flag here that we better take a break. Uh, they want their profits, don't they? Like, evidently, we have advertisers that are really craving your ears. So, monsters. stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon. And you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 939 FM and 1240 KQEN. I know, who wants to be limited like that? It's yeah. like, lame. So, anyway, welcome back to the True Wealth radio show. Evidently, the music was playing, and it's time for us to get back. I'm your host, Dave Littlejohn, in studio with- Matt Dixon. Matt, we're podcasting on this jam. Is that true? Yeah, we are. Okay. Every week, like clockwork. <laughs> you know, because you're the one that's going to post it. Yeah. <laughs> that's the It's best. the
2: laborious process. So if you're not tuning into the podcast, boo. Like,
1: use it. Right, and the beauty is the the podcast is sort of slimmed down. of The advertisers, whom this station greatly appreciates, uh, but they're not on the podcast. Right, it's kind of clip, clip, clip. So we move right on through. Uh, So you can listen to the entire show in like forty-two minutes. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right, we were talking rules. We talked about trigger warnings today, Mm -hmm. and in this case, the trigger warning. Of course, the joke is that uh, a lot of people talk about emotions. It's a, it's you know they're manipulated all the time. We know that it's really popular in political science these days. We see it in the news, right? And and mm-hmm. why? It's very simple. Because if you are not paying for the product, you are, are the, the product. product. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so we need to get your attention. If you are going to use the web or something like that, we got to get you right. Hey, there is fifteen things that'll keep you from going broke in retirement. You are not going to believe number six, right? I got to see that list, man. I got to yeah, see it.
2: And I am guilty of clicking on those too. It's so.
1: So pitiful. It's It's like, oh, you know why they keep showing up? Because you click on them. Because it works. Yep. That's it. So it's up to us to wise up. And of course, this will be a marketing battle for your eyeballs. Okay. Just like this show, if we're honest. Is a marketing battle for your ears. This this show, it's we pay for this time, right? As an Mm -hmm. advertisement. It's a long show. Now we take a really unusual. I think, approach to this, which is, you know what, let's try a really transparent process of transferring information and confidence, and if what we do aligns with what you, the listener, need, and you think, you know, these guys seem all right, I think I'm going to give them a shout. Great, it works out. But it's not a pressure thing, it's a fit thing. We know what we're about. We know how we do business and how what's important to us. It's a big world out there. Find the person that you fit well with.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, and we're comfortable saying that that there's people out there that are like, "Yep, that's who I want. I just want somebody that you know, like I'm not clairvoyant. Matt, are you? Can mm. you can you predict the future? I wish. So I'm lying to you. I can predict the future all day long. I just don't know if it's right. Oh, I can guess at the future all you want. Like you want guesses? No problem. You hmm. want those guesses to be right? Oh, oh, wait a second. What? So you know, I I don't know the future. I can sometimes play the odds pretty well. Can you give me an educated guess? I can do that. Okay. Right? And and our educated guesses have worked out pretty decent over time. Be like right it, more than you're wrong? I think so. Okay. Right. I mean yeah. I'm not gonna give you a percentage or anything, but I will say that we've done pretty well. We don't bat a thousand when it comes to investment picks moment to moment. Right? We've had losers. I feel like if you don't have losers,
2: then you really have the crystal ball. Like
1: Well, or you're cheating, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh yeah. so that that's the trick. Um, I can confess up on air. We owned PayPal and uh watched it go down and down and down until we got back to our starting price and we're like, Never mind, you know. Mm-hmm. And and we lost forty percent off of our highs. I mean it's just ugly. Right. Glad we got out when we did. I think it was a you know, one twenty-five or something—I I, think—somewhere uh, mm-hmm. in that neighborhood, and then it fell to like eighty. So it just kept. Glad on going. you cut it when you did. Yeah. So that's the thing, right? I think it was Winston Churchill that one time said, "Look, no matter how far down the path you go, the wrong path, turn mm-hmm. back." Right? It's like, yeah, right? It's you know, it's one thing to buy and hold investments that are good investments. It's another thing to just ride a you know something into the ground. Mm-hmm. So that that we know we we made a transition now here's a here's an interesting rule for you i'm not giving you investment advice here that is specific but this is good advice generically to think about when you're going to buy an investment okay so here's a free free tip for everybody if you do
2: something really corny and say buy it low and sell it high i'm gonna like reach my long arm across the thing and slap yeah it's no this
1: is real advice okay Pretend that you don't already own the investment and ask yourself, would I still buy it today? Oh, you're saying if you already own it. Not necessarily. If you okay. don't own it, you're looking at it saying, am I willing to buy it today? Do I like it today because I think it'll be worth more later? Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you own something and it's dropped in value, but you look at that and say, but would I buy it today if I didn't already own it? Hmm. Okay, that's a pretty good litmus test for whether or not you believe in that investment. A lot of people start there, I've noticed, but then the moment they get into it and they hit
2: some choppy waters and the price goes down a little bit, they forget about the fact that they really believe in the product. They really believe in the company and they really want to own it long-term. And then they get out of it really quick and then the price recovers and it goes higher and then you know
1: they're just sitting there, they're just yep. kicking themselves. So it, then that's what makes a market. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, the yeah. reality is it takes buyers and sellers. But I can tell you that it's the people that enter into these transactions with a lot more emotion mm-hmm. and a lot less data. They're the ones that stand to be a problem. Now, I can give you like an easy example of this one. Okay. Imagine for a minute that you are in the market to purchase a home. Okay. okay? Matthew. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm and always you looking.
1: find yourself staring at a property that is just perfect it is on the river Mm -hmm. it's got access i mean you could plunk your boat in right there anchor the boat on the bank that's the dream you are able to and and you know you could go up river or down river and some of your favorite fishing holes are within 10 minutes i'm really starting to like this show okay keep talking this place is beautiful it is, uh, you know, the, the yard's already done. It's got enough space. You know, great spot for family, not too far from work. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's like spot on. Okay. Okay. And you've done your homework. Or wait, in this case, our example, you haven't done your homework. Mm. You just see a price tag, and this is a $4 million property. Okay. Okay? Now, first of all, probably not getting it, because how are you going to get a hold of $4 million, Right. right? Is it a good deal?
2: At $4 million, around here, I'm going to say no. Okay. $1 million. Is it a good deal? Possibly.
1: $500,000. Is it a good deal? Yeah. Now now we're getting real close. Yeah. And, and the answer is still, it's a trick question. You don't have enough information. It's true. Right? Because Is there if, black mold? Yeah. Well, what if house? I were to tell you, well, the house may be fine, but uh, you can't get utilities to it. It's 100% off-grid, and there's no way to heat it, cool it, mm-hmm. or get running water to it. So it's beautiful, but now you've got to convince your lovely bride that you guys are going to be using an outhouse for the rest of your life. Uh, tricky. Okay. That's going to be a hard sell. It's going to be a pretty hard sell. Now, for $10,000, you might just say, I'd love to have a cabin on the river, and you'd still do it, right? Mm-hmm. But for a million dollars, my guess is that's not priced right. Yeah. Now- all of you listening do you understand that when it comes to investments that's how this stuff works right uh to the folks that and i i, I will pick on tesla for a minute because i've done that before on this program like even a couple years ago i was mm-hmm. looking at tesla and said, i can't buy tesla he was trading for 500 a share back then and the p e ratios when well, the p e ratio was like 1300 yeah right so for every 1300 that tesla actually p e was zero Initially, it had nothing, no earnings. Right, because there was no no PE ratio back then, and then it was thirteen hundred. So, for every thirteen hundred dollars that Tesla made, you got one dollar. And and that ratio has steadily improved as Tesla is now earning money. Now, I can tell you all without making this investment advice of any kind. We do own Tesla in one of our investment models now, but not when
2: the PE ratios were at thirteen hundred.
1: And somebody could argue that well what if you'd have bought that two years ago and you could have bought it for $400 instead of mm-hmm. buying it for over 700 when we did? Mm-hmm. You know, you'd know, you have made way more money. I said, that is true, but it did not meet our rules test. Yep. Right, which was that it was not, in our mind, investable as anything other than speculation. Speculation, yeah. Right, and so we did not want to break our own rules at that time. And it was tempting. Mm-hmm. Right? It, I mean, that's a darling, right? Come on, Tesla. Tesla's now by market cap and revenue bigger than General Motors and Ford. Right. How nuts is that? It's pretty it's crazy. It's a company that 30 years ago wasn't there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Ford and General Motors, they, they built the automotive industry for most of the planet, certainly in the United States. I mean, one could argue that uh, Germany had uh, a lot of. Uh, influence it as well, but that's huge. And Tesla has supplanted them. So, talking about the
2: different rules and ways that we gauge investments, we've talked about a few things. Do we want to talk about how we gauge based on dollars versus percent
1: at all? So, that's not really a rules thing, it's but not it's not a important. rules thing, but it's a
2: gauge for how we measure yeah. investments, so which we kind of started talking about a little bit.
1: We We did. So, you know, that's a pretty interesting one. And here's the thing, we're up at the the hour. I feel like our investors and our, well, our listeners, we really should have the conversation. Do we give them too much information? Are they on information overload? No, it's not that. Okay. It's like, I think we should just grab the break. OK. And so when we come back, if you're wondering, like the question is, what yardstick, what measuring tool do you need to use for your investments? This is super important and often overlooked. So we're going to okay. cover that when we come back. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon, and you're listening to The True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM, 12:40, KQEM. All right, gang, welcome back to The True Wealth radio show. Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon. Matt? Yes. What's your favorite yardstick?
2: Hmm, one that has purple and glitter on
1: it. Glitter that. purple yardstick, mm-hmm. and that is exactly what you should measure your investments with. I think we're done here. Okay. <laughs> Good show. All right. Um...
2: <laughs> it's got unicorns engraved in it, too, somewhere. You I know, I have that. three
1: daughters. I could see this being a big hit. Oh, a yeah? Glitter
2: purple unicorn
1: yardstick. Is that
2: how we inspire people to want to do math again, like actually measure stuff?
1: If it works, I would run with it, Okay. Truthfully. Uh, so I don't think that's what we mean when we're talking investments. Mm, darn. Yeah, I know, right? I think we mean something different. More along the lines of dollars versus percents? So more along the lines of dollars versus percents. Okay. Um, I think that investors, you, you like, and if this is you, first of all, stop it, okay? Which is, we have to decide how are you going to measure whether or not things are working? Now, this is about investment performance. Okay. Now, the question is absolute or relative?
2: Hmm. Okay.
1: Okay. And, is it going to be because what people will do is they'll try to do a little bit of both. And you, and that's cheating. I have, okay. a, I have
2: a feeling I know where
1: you're going with this. Like well, if I said, Dave, you lost $200,000. Right. And that's an say, absolute like that's a number. When yeah. You say $200,000. But if but if I was to say, but you have $10 million and you lost mm-hmm. 200000 I go, well, 200000 is real money. Right. But on a percentage basis, that's barely moving the needle on $10 million. Right. But if you had two hundred thousand dollars and you lost two hundred thousand dollars, yep, that's a hundred percent loss. That's pretty catastrophic. Mm. And the issue comes down to, I mean, the markets think in percentages, mm-hmm. and I see people make this mistake a lot. That, because there's something that happens that you have to be aware of. This is a this this is a, an example of sort of a a mental and emotional hang up. It's it's actually a, a misinterpretation, a fail, but it's normal. People do it all the time, okay? And what it is is they will do they, what we call an anchoring bias. Okay. Okay? So imagine that I buy ABC stock for $100 a share, okay? It goes up to $150 a share, and then it falls back down to $125 a share. Okay. Two different types of anchoring bias that can occur right here. First one is somebody that says, well, you know, I only paid $100 for it. It's worth $125. I win. Mm-hmm. OK? And then there's the person that says, this thing used to be $150 a share. Now it's $125. I lose. Mm-hmm. Two completely different mindsets. Right. And you go- Analyzing the exact same situation. Wait a second here. How are we determining whether or not this is a successful investment? Mm-hmm. OK? One person thinks that they just lost, what, 20% or something, you know? another person thinks that they're up 25%. So it matters where you're measuring from. right? Mm. And there's not a right or wrong answer to this, but what I would challenge you is that you need to commit to being consistent with the measuring method. Okay, uh, If you only measure off of the high water mark that you've ever had, you will pretty much be disappointed often.
2: I'm imagining like a long jumper, right, who like nails that jump perfectly, their foot's right on the board, they jump 20 feet, and then, you know, the next guy runs and he jumps from five feet behind the board, you know, Mm -hmm. and comes up a foot short and loses. He's like, I jumped 25 feet. Well, your foot wasn't on the board. You measured. We got to measure from the same spot. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, physically covered more distance than the mm-hmm. other, but lost the competition yeah. on technicalities there, which are which you should lose if you do that, right? Because the yeah. you know, rules be rules. Um, it's a good example, in a sense. I also think that it happens that people will, when I say they split their measurements, it's like, well, hey, I started with $100,000, and then it, I, I made 10%, but I lost $10,000. Right? Well, losing 10% is ten thousand dollars making ten percent is ten thousand dollars, so on the way up, let's measure in percentages because well I want to beat everybody else, so mm-hmm. I want to you know oh the S and up thirteen percent, well I made fifteen percent, I win, okay, <laughs> and then S and P's down ten percent, I'm down two thousand dollars, oh man I lost two thousand dollars, like wait a second, yeah, you know now you've reframed it so that no matter what you're always on. Un- <laughs> Yeah, like it's always hard to win, right? Yep. And it just doesn't work that way. You don't get infinity upside and zero downside as an investor. That's a violation of the rules of risk and reward. Unless you have a printing press. Well, again, cheating. <laughs> yeah, cheating. Right. I mean, like if you can cheat, then that can work, right? So uh, it's it's kind of like if you want to gamble and you're gonna you know load the deck or something. Well, yep. that's not gambling, is it? Right. So that's we call that cheating. Yeah. <laughs> so if you know the outcome, then that's inside information, which it turns out isn't just frowned upon. It's against the law. Hmm. Uh we yeah, could ask
2: it, Martha Stewart about you that, could, couldn't right? we? Right. Yeah. And there are
1: others too, but she's certainly the most famous. Uh or at least the most famous of late. Yeah. All right. So I I feel like that's one of those scenarios where we just need to. Pick your measuring stick, right? And if it's going to be a purple, sparkly, unicorn yardstick, great. Okay, but just use it consistently. Maybe another way to describe it is pick your unit of measurement, right? Mm-hmm. Are you using inches or meters? Okay, because you're going to get a very different result depending on which measure you choose. And I think that that's, it's it's a, especially in periods like when the markets are down right now. Like, I don't know if you knew that or not. They're down. Okay. And on an absolute basis, people have less money in their account than they did at the end of December in most cases, unless you've added to it or you've had a really mm -hmm. fortunate spell of what you were invested in or you're in a super ultra conservative mix. But compared to a couple years ago, you're probably positive. Well, compared to, yeah, compared to two years ago, you should be up. Mm -hmm. Compared to December, you're probably down. Yeah. If you're typical. Okay. You know, my suspicion is in the next few years, it's all gonna come out in the wash. Right? Now here's here's the dirty little secret, everybody. Five years from now, it probably all comes out in the wash. And I have to say probably, because if I don't say that, then I'm making some investment guarantee and you can't do that. So should we be losing sleep? Should we be panicking? Not in my opinion. Right. Because well, here's the thing. What exactly does worry do?
2: Yeah, what does it accomplish? Nothing.
1: Right, I mean, great. Now you're stressed out, and you still can't impact it. Mm-hmm. Uh, should you, you know, the, the should the, you be mindful? Yes, well, but You can should be you aware. Worry? But yeah. this, some people just wring their hands. And see the idea that I must do something. No, what you must do is be patient and allow the markets to do what they do best, which is make money and outpace inflation over time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, and that's why we're diversified. It's you know, some companies come and they go, so you don't put all your eggs in that one basket. You know, you spread them around. So don't put all of your eggs in the Netflix basket? That would be unfortunate. <laughs> it sure would, wouldn't it? Right? Uh, now, there, there's a classic example of what's yardstick. You know, I've owned Netflix for 10 years. You still have profits, mm-hmm. right? But you're off a good 50-plus percent from where you were in December. Yeah. So, you know, half your account's gone. Uh, those of you that invested in Apple and have the majority of your net worth in Apple... You're still okay, but you're mm-hmm. off your highs. Maybe oh, yeah. Everybody is, right? Mark Zuckerberg lost oh, a man. lot of net worth.
2: Do you remember how much that was? I, I knew it at one point. How I mean, he was billions. over a, He, he was lost over billions. 100 billion at
1: one point. Like, yeah. 96 billion, I remember. So I think he was over 100 billion, and that's been a, a really massive... Beat down of net worth, yeah. Right when Facebook went from over like over well over three hundred to below two hundred, mm-hmm. so it's it darn near fifty percent something, yeah, yeah. And that is the vast majority of his net worth.
2: The Fang stocks Facebook. really kind of just took it on the chin, didn't they?
1: They did. And you know, we could even discuss what was it time? Probably because a lot of the uh, underlying stocks of these indexes have already been beat up a lot, Mm-hmm. right? Um, the companies that are surviving well right now are the companies that are—they're pretty boring mm-hmm. and they make money, right? That's they're, a novel they're, concept. They're, like, they're, they're, do they're, you they're, make money? They're safe. It's, it's you know pretty safe. It's like well, you kind of make money in all the different economies. We maybe make a little less, but we're not going anywhere.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and so yeah, consumer staples, things like that. Well, do people stop? Eating and drinking and shaving and mm-hmm. you know bathing and stuff. It's like, well, no, I mean we're, that's still happening even in a recessionary environment. Like, well, okay, then those are the safe havens that people run to, and as people f- you know run to the safety, that's that's a bid, meaning there's more buyers than sellers in that space. Price goes up. Should we talk about the different sectors? Uh, we can, but we got to take our last evil profit break Darn. first. I know, okay. But now it leaves our listeners with something to look forward to when we come back. Ooh, sector rotation. All right. Stick around, we'll be right back. This All is right. Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 939 FM and 1240 KQEN. All right, gang. Welcome back to the home stretch of the True Wealth radio show. We've been crushing it today, David. <laughs> just crushing it. I will admit that uh, last week having been sort of um, hard on me just for like it was just a lot of things mm-hmm. and the markets didn't help I was really grateful for Monday and Tuesday in this relief rally. Okay. Uh, Not sure that it's going to follow through, but my suspicion is, without me predicting the future, right, and making promises, but my suspicion is, we'll probably be all right because I think the Federal Reserve has really forecasted a lot of what they're going to do. You know. So,
2: oh, so you're kind of saying it might have priced itself in a little bit.
1: Well, I don't know that the market's going to have a lot of surprise data. Right. You know, I mean, I mean, there's going to be some confirmation of suspicions. It's going to go from uh, we have a pretty good indication to um, now we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We had a negative GDP print. That's probably, if you look under the numbers, not as bad as it looked. We have still a lot of inflation. Fed's not going to be letting their pedal off the gas as far as rates as a result of that. little bit of an inverted yield curve which suggests that we're probably not gonna uh, lean into this thing too hard because the long end of the curve nobody's willing to free up the capital so it it looks to me like money's not gonna make a rush for the door out of the stock market Mm -hmm. because of this setup because there's nowhere else for it to run yeah because i
2: mean even though i think bonds hit a uh, new high, well, not all-time high, but a, a recent high of like yields. 3%, right? Yeah, yields, yields. yields yeah. right.
1: And so when yields are going up, it's because bonds are going down. Right. So you wouldn't necessarily want to go invest in bonds right now. If right. rates are going to go up, that means you're going to lose money in bonds, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're So you don't want to buy those because they look, still look expensive compared to a rising rate. You don't necessarily want to buy real estate, which looks expensive, and it's going to be harder to get access to money for borrowers. So it's likely that there's going to be a reduction in demand because the constraints to accessing money so real estate looks expensive we already know commodities are really expensive and that's part of the inflation cycle and supply chain constraints Mm -hmm. and now we've got with fuel prices up shipping super expensive i think we're going to see there's some demand destruction at play here but that's because of that because of all the inflationary pressures fed has to keep raising rates if they keep raising rates, then you're going to stay out of the bond market. Right. And if they keep raising rates, it's are going to keep pushing pressure on the real estate market. So if real estate and bonds are ugly, commodities are already inflating. So that, I mean, I guess money, maybe you can make the argument that you could go into commodities, but that feels like danger zone because mm-hmm. it's pretty aggressive. And I'm looking at the price of stocks that have been beat way up and going, again, I'm not making a recommendation here. I'm just telling you that- these things are on sale compared to where they were 12 months ago and if you think their profits are going to continue to increase because of economic expansion and i don't know but you know they're guiding that they are if that's true then we have pe ratios a lot cheaper than they were 5 months ago
2: hmm.
1: right we're, we we did a, we looked this morning right we did um, yeah i mean s&p 500 pe ratios are back to a level that we haven't seen since 2020
2: yeah so it's it's come way down <coughs>
1: Yeah, it has. It really has. So I think that you just have to look at where else can investors put their money right now. And if you're thinking to yourself, well, you can put it in cash for a little while. But if inflation's running at 8.5%, mm-hmm. you don't want to leave it in cash very long because that's like losing 8.5% purchasing power. Right. <clears throat> and if you're thinking to yourself, well, you look at the stock market, it's down 9 10 11%. So that is true. So if you could have perfectly timed the market to be in cash and to move back in nine percent lower into the markets, you look like you're sitting in pretty tall cotton.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But that is—that's a dangerous yeah, field that's, to play in. That's—you're I mean, really trying to run the gauntlet here. I mean, you've got to have a lot of things go right, mm-hmm. and you got to do it again and again and again. Ah, you know, I, I've until I just it doesn't work. Yeah. Well, it's. It sounds so doable, but nobody's cracked the code.
2: Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, it's pretty hard to come back from a,
1: yeah. If you you consider, if it was so easy, everybody would be doing it. And i got to tell you, that 23-year-old that cracked the code of the market that's selling you his 10 best stock picks online, (laughs) let me ask you this logic-bound question for a moment. Okay. Okay? If you had a magic money printing press... Would you give it away? Well, not just that. And you could print as much money as you wanted because you'd crack the code to the market now. Yeah. Do you need to sell the code to anybody else? Do you need
2: someone's $5 a month subscription?
1: Like, why are you selling that? Mm -hmm. Because what you're going to do is give everybody else the exploit that you have, and then you're not going to have the exploit anymore. It's going to break because too many people learn about it. Yep. So, I mean, just intuitively, if you see this, I mean, you should just look at that and roll your eyes and go, ha ha. But this is that stupid clickbait, right? Mm -hmm. You're not going to believe number six. Okay, you're not going to believe that this person doesn't exist and this is like... you like a robot type Well, here's my favorite, too. The people that say, oh, no, here's how you could have turned $5,000 into $1.4 million. And they'll show you the path. Start with this obscure penny stock, right? Mm -hmm. It makes 700%. Then you sell it, you take 100% of the money, and you buy this next penny stock, and it goes up 500%. And you sell it, make a 100% profit, and do this again and again. You know what they won't tell you in that whole scenario? The odds of you being exactly right. Oh, with not all that. Of <laughs> That's actually better. This is the part they won't tell you. That's a penny stock. If you show up and put $5,000 into it, you would have changed the trading history mm. because there's so few That's participants true. that as soon as you showed up, you would have completely skewed the way that trade played out. You show up and you become 10% of the market doing something like that. And then you have to find a way to get out. And And so you're, you're completely changing the dynamic of a pump and dump scheme at that point because yeah. you're a new player to the market, right? A stock that trades a billion dollars a day, your $5,000 is invisible. It's a rounding error. In a mm-hmm. fraction of a second, it's gobbled up. But for a stock that trades fifteen thousand dollars a day, you're third of the trade for the day. Right. You made an you th- actual you, influence You are the on market. The yeah. 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 So, so you know, these things are—they're just scams, right? And and they get away with it in the disclosure of you know these are hypotheticals and not actually did this side or the other. Like again, if you could print money, why would you share the secret? What you want to do is generate interest in the stocks that are super cheap that you because already bought. Because you already, already own them. Yeah. Because that's how you pump them up: is to advertise them and get other investors that are in the middle of FOMO, right? And Fear of missing out. Then to you get dump them to throw your ten percent
2: holding, and, and then you cash out on everyone else's. Exactly. Yeah.
1: You're, you're cashing out as everybody else is thinking they've got the next moonshot. Mm-hmm. And that stuff drives me bananas. And I feel I, like I, we but, see
2: that a lot with crypto right
1: now. Right. I, we yeah we see that in crypto mm-hmm. you know but I mean this is the same thing as like that Nigerian prince that keeps wanting to give you money it's like it's not real okay I'll keep making jokes about that because it's that absurd okay I like it uh you know it's it's like when when Microsoft calls you and tells you that you have a virus on your computer and that you need to deal with it and so they're here to help right and all you have to do is load up this antivirus and give them your bank account number. Mm-hmm. Just stop. Right? Just stop. <laughs> so sometimes you have to just kind of have that logic in your head of like, first of all, why would they know? And if they know, why won't why wouldn't they just do it themselves because right. they're already in my computer? Right? No. <laughs> so there you go. It's just these logic traps of really? Did you you got sucked into that? Yikes. Mm. And I say that now there'll be some elaborate scheme that I'm gonna have to watch out for. But there's always phishing schemes. There's always people trying to steal your identity. It's real. Yep. So anyway, don't get suckered into the the dumb stock move game of you know somebody cracked the code. So it's not how it ha- works. If you had to summarize
2: today into like one general like blurb, what would you what would you summarize for our listeners?
1: Can I use like a semicolon? Please do. It's one of my favorites <laughs> when writing. Like I abuse semicolons. Say, Successful investors avoid using their emotions, set good rules, and have realistic expectations. There's the SparkNotes version. Okay. I like it. And from there, you know and they grade themselves and learn and improve. So when I'm posting the podcast tomorrow,
2: you're gonna see that in the description <laughs> box. <laughs> I'm <just> gonna <laughs> just write that. direct just quote that. you. You just saved
1: me five minutes of thinking
2: time. So. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, thanks.
1: <laughs> All right, well, as we near the end of the hour, here's the bottom line. If it's not something you are interested in doing for yourself, there are those out there that would help, and I encourage you to find somebody. You know, Find a good partner and advocate that can help you navigate the financial world landscape. Everybody needs to do this. Everybody should be taking care of their finance. If you don't have that person, Matt, can they call us?
2: I sure hope so. We have a number. And I'm going to go slow. Normally, I rattle it off. So I'm giving you time to get out that pencil and paper. So mm-hmm. it's 541-375-0898.
1: Alright, you heard it here first, but you won't be the last. Uh we're out of time for now, so we gotta run. Until next time, this has been Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon. And you've been listening to True Wealth from Littlejohnfs.com. You can find us there too. Catch you next time on News Radio ninety-three FM and twelve forty KQEN.
0: The preceding program
1: was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.